0: Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in the public sector. Here's your host, David Pembroke.
1: Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you might be in the world. Welcome to In Transition, the podcast that deals with the practice of content marketing in the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and I am delighted that you've decided to give me just a little bit of your time today today to talk to and to interview one of the most interesting people in Australian public sector content marketing. He is a really interesting guy, and we will come to him in just a moment. But first, as we do each week, we look at the definition of just precisely what content marketing is as it relates to the public sector. So content marketing is an evidence-based, strategic, measurable, and accountable business process that relies on the creation, curation, and distribution of useful, relevant, and consistent content. The purpose is to engage and inform a specific audience in order to achieve a desired citizen or stakeholder action. So our guest today is Carl Herger. Carl is the digital marketing specialist for the city of Sydney. Carl is responsible for implementing the city's digital marketing strategy, including the content marketing strategy, social media, website builds, app development, analytics, online advertising, and email marketing. Carl has been working with the City of Sydney for about four years now. Prior to joining the city of Sydney, he worked for the Australian Broadcasting Corporation as a digital marketing specialist. He launched and managed the ABC Facebook page, growing it from two thousand to 40,000-plus likes through his content marketing strategy and also the support of advertising. Carl has over eight years' digital marketing experience, and he joins us today in In Transition. Carl, thanks very much for coming along for the ride. Thanks for having me. Carl, just tell us a little bit more about your background. How is it that you started to get involved and, and get interested in digital marketing?
0: Look, I actually, I did a Bachelor of Communications in Public Relations. So um, I guess I started off in a very traditional kind of um, PR agency. I, I, didn't, I wasn't, didn't last there long, to be honest. I was there about six months. Um, and then I wound up working in a, a non-profit, um, like a healthcare organisation, as a comms advisor. And it just became fairly obvious um, straight out that while my, my training background was in PR and media relations... To me, the you know the blurring between um, comms, PR, marketing, um, online at the time, it all just seemed to be the same kind of kettle of fish to me, um, which was having some kind of um, problem or objective that we're trying to achieve as an organisation and then um, having a target market to reach and then leveraging some kind of strategy and implementation to do that. Um, so I didn't ever really figure that I was one kind of practitioner or I was tied to one kind of skill set, I was lucky enough to, in my first job, to be thrown into an environment where I could kind of um, do a bit of everything, wear many hats. And I just kind of fell into digital, I guess, at the time.
1: So, uh, growing up though, were you, were you interested in technology or was this just something that emerged when you got the opportunity?
0: Oh, right. I mean, a bit of both. I mean, I was a massive nerd growing up and I still <laughs> still am a massive nerd, I guess. Um, but look, yeah, I was always really interested in using technology in a in a creative um, in a creative capacity, um, and not necessarily creative in the sense that I can do any, you know I can do graphic design, but more creative in the sense that how can I use technology to um, to communicate effectively or solve a problem or or to do um, to do research, for instance. So I was always really interested in that. I actually before I started a comms degree, I, I did a bachelor of IT. Um, but that was only, I only lasted six months in that, um, because I quickly found out that I wasn't born to be a programmer. Um, so ironically, you know, finding out what I didn't like, um, led me to a a career path where I could, you know, do what I wanted to do, which was leverage technology in a, in a creative comms capacity. And that combined with just, um, a bit of luck, um, I ended up on the career path that I'm on today. So we'll come to a
1: discussion about running the story as essentially online for the, the city of Sydney, one of the great cities of the world. And as we outlined in the introduction, you have a lot of responsibility for a lot of that, that story. But before then, I'm interested in your, your time at the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. Just tell us a little bit about that.
0: Sure. I mean, that was um, I was in the corporate marketing team. And our job was purely digital. So while at the city I do cross over into other areas, um, we were just purely digital there, um, purely, you know, um, a service arm to deploy things like Facebook advertising, um, figuring out paid search campaigns for anything from local radio to TV through to multi-platform. Um, email marketing was massive at the ABC and I think it's an un- looked um, tactic as well these days. People go to social and, you know, sometimes the ROIs um, in the email marketing channel. But um, look, I was really lucky at the ABC to have the the guidance of a really great manager um, with a very kind of strategic marketing background and I was able to really hone my, I guess, my chops in um, all kinds of tactical things, like I said, from online advertising through to display, um, figuring out. How do you try and get some meaningful analysis in, a, in an organisation that is so large and has so many moving parts? Um, so I was really able to use that as a springboard into the role I'm in today. What were some
1: of the challenges when you were working back at the ABC and what sounds like it was a reasonably siloed marketing organisation where the, the roles and responsibilities and functions were, were split?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess the main challenge is just shared sense of purpose. Um, and I think a lot of it is, mean, a lot of these organisations are structured in, in my observation that is born out of um, an old way or an old way of thinking about communication. Um, and we even see it today in government in the sense that, um, you know, we have a marketing team here and we have a comms team, a media team um, and a web team. But at the end of the day, we're all doing the same thing. Um, we, all, we all have the same set of customers. Uh, that same set of customers all have the same problems and opportunities that they're leveraging through communication. Um, so the biggest challenge is, A, um, getting the business to buy into this, sh- you know, a shared sense of purpose, that we're in it together and we're going to be more effective not only for the business but for our customers. Um, finding that that's, that intersection, that sweet spot between what the business wants to do and what customers want to hear, I think that's the main challenge. Um, and I, I guess the second challenge is just figuring out um, you know, all the infrastructure that goes, goes behind it, but really thinking about problems rather than solutions, I guess, because it's easy to deploy technology, but it's much harder to deploy it in a way that is um, meaningful and considered and and audience focused, I guess.
1: You mentioned that you, there was good leadership when you were um, at the ABC, and I know you also have good leadership there at the city of Sydney, but whose responsibility is it to establish that critical element of, of purpose,
0: I think it has to come from the top, David. Um, I mean, it has to. I mean, there is at the city, though. I mean, there is a there is a, a big degree of uh, managing up, and we are encouraged um, to manage up, which I think is also good because it puts that responsibility on um, you know on your middle management to actually come up with creative solutions, which I think is great. But it, it has to be it has to be a team effort. I mean, it can't all be managing up. Um, there has to be a broad understanding from the top of the business that. Um, you know, this content marketing thing, we're going to give this a crack. Um, and, you know, we, we might have um, put our eggs into the traditional media basket for the last the last few years and it's been effective and, and it still will be effective in certain instances. But, um, you know, we, we may need to um, cut some of our resource in, in that area and apply it to a new way of doing things. And I think in the environment I'm in now, there's very much, um, there's, there's a, a high level of support around that um, that general approach.
1: You've worked in these organisations and really one of the things that we're always hearing from people is how do you convince the higher-ups, how do you convince the leadership that it's time to invest more in content marketing?
0: Look, I think it's all about proof of concept and I've observed in my time here at the city that um, actually having something tangible to show to um, To anyone in the business that might not immediately understand um, the concept of content marketing, that's what you need to lead with. I think the the peripheral education, like ongoing education is absolutely important. So I'll do a um, weekly or bi-weekly email newsletter around content marketing best practice or digital marketing best practice or just interesting stuff happening um, in the landscape generally. But the big thing is proof of concept. So one example, (coughs) pardon me, that I have is recently we've, um, (coughs) sorry, last year we launched um, a new um, online event platform to show uh, all the events that are happening in Sydney, including um, the events that the City of Sydney produces or supports or sponsors. Now, in the past, we've always had this asset running, so it's been going for a good decade. Um, But it kind of sat there and it was getting a lot of traffic, had a big built-in audience but it wasn't really it wasn't really leveraged as effectively as it could have been, and what we were doing was we were creating these satellite microsites one for say um, the Chinese New Year festival, one for art and about our public um, a public art festival, another one for sydney Christmas and it was they, they were good sites like they were solid sites they send the, they served the end user fairly well um, but at the end of the day, from a business perspective, we were creating these um, these web properties that were Relevant for you know three or four three or four weeks of the year, and then they would um, they, they would be you know left until the next campaign period and they didn't really benefit from this ongoing you know optimization program so we had the existing what's on um, directory and it was getting a bit you know getting a bit old and wasn't um, optimized for mobile and um, didn't really show events in the most effective way, so we decided to redevelop it and part of that um, part of that project was about content consolidation. So this idea of, well, let's try and build an audience around what's happening in Sydney. Um, And we can also try and, you know, achieve our business objectives in one environment as opposed to expecting our customers um, to be bounced around the internet like a pinball machine, I guess, um, or to get them to re-familiarise themselves with a new website every year. Let's build familiarity around one platform. Let's track our audience in one environment. And if we can track them in one environment, we can understand them better and then we can um, provide a much more informed and a much better experience by what we're learning over time. And we found that by changing the approach, by taking essentially what is the same content but putting it into one consolidated environment, we've been able to get increases, not massive increases, um, but, you know, anywhere from up to a 5% um, increase um, across, you know, across our... Um, Major events, we've been able to prove to the business that not only have we saved time internally, we've been able to all work on one asset together so we can all solve problems um, in a shared way. Um, We can understand our audience better and we save money, we save time, we build up our email database in one central location. Um, So we've been able to prove to the business through A, through our approach and B, through the data that we're getting that look, this is, this is a good approach in terms of, you know, in terms of content distribution.
1: Now, but you've had the opportunity to implement that program. What I'm really trying to understand is that, that uh, initial point. How is it before you've actually run a program, how do you convince people and do you really have to have a, a developed strategy and a well-thought-through evidence-based approach that will get you the permission to allow you to, to do a sort of program like you've just done, explained to us there?
0: Uh, yeah, I think in ideal world, yeah, you do. But this, the, the, the beauty about this project is that it started out as, look, we've got we've got an event directory and it's getting two million visits a year. Um, it's getting, it's looking a bit old and it doesn't work on mobile devices. It needs something needs to be done about it because it's it's an asset we need to keep going and it's a community service essentially. In that, we allow any business in the city or um, anyone that's running an event, they can create an account and they can submit their event for free and they can do that for life. Um, it started off as we need to redevelop this thing. So we went through, you know, we went through a user experience design process to do that, um, to make sure that what we were building was going to be you know, a solid, well-informed asset. Um, but it was only really midstream through the project that we started to realise that actually this thing could be used to, um, to consolidate our content. Um, we, what we have here is an opportunity to do things, to do things a bit differently. And we already had the buy-in to redevelop it. But at that point, we didn't have the buy-in to necessarily migrate all the old content into the new environment. So we kind of ran them in parallel um, to begin with. Um, and then we made the decision to do it when it was, you know, a good uh, a good couple of months out in the market. So um, it wasn't like that was the idea from the beginning. Yeah, um, th- These things sometimes happen organically. And the beauty of, I guess, developing... Um, an application, a web web application in an agile way is that you can take these little changes in midstream without, um, you know, trying to document everything up front. How how
1: difficult is it to introduce that kind of agile methodology to the development of an asset, you know, within a big organisation?
0: It's incredibly difficult to do if the function that ends up developing the asset isn't in your division. Um, it's really difficult. Um, so let me give you some a, his, a bit of a, a history um, story. We the way we used to operate, I and mean, a lot of a lot of our current approach to you know where we are online, which is um, in some ways a little bit fragmented, but we're getting a lot better and seeing some good results. That was all. That was a lot of it. Was born out of um, legacy process. So our, our division is called City Engagement, and in there is like a media team and comms and marketing. But the web team's only been in there for about um, 12 to 18 months. Um, previously, they were sitting in the, um, the IT division. And we had an excellent relationship with those guys, but the process was they were almost, they were a little bit of arm's distance in some ways. And we, um, the, way, the way we work in comms is a little bit different to the way um, the IT area works. Um, they're just different methodologies. So a lot of it was built on a kind of what's called a waterfall methodology where everything's documented up front, And then it gets signed off and then you begin to develop and then you don't ever really test it with the market. You just release it at the end and um, if customers like it, they like it. If they don't, then you start fixing a lot of bugs and it's quite expensive. Um, The agile way of working is very different. Instead of 50% of the way through a project um, where you haven't actually delivered anything yet, you haven't delivered any working software, 50% of the way through of the project you have working software. And you can put it in front of customers and say, well, what do you think? And they might say, oh, this is good or this bit's not so good so you strip it from the project. Then you're much in a much better position at you know, 100% to deliver something that's been tested and validated. We, we couldn't do that with the old working model because it was predicated on this you know, idea that everything must be documented up front. Um, but since the web team moved into city engagement, so we had a, you know, a good discussion internally and we were able to bring them down and we've been able to... Um, have a much more kind of organic way of working with with the web guys. Um, So to answer your question, um, it's very difficult to do that if it's in a more traditional kind of, um, you know, delivery uh, structure like that. But again, it's the power of shared sense of purpose and the power of, you know, we're one division and we might be split up into different, you know, to different teams, but at the end of the day, it's one city with one of customers and we should all be working together.
1: And what a beautiful city it is, the city of Sydney, and I'm sure lots of people listening to the podcast are thinking, wow, you know, what a great job you get to tell the story of the Harbour Bridge, the Opera House, the Deepwater Harbour, the Sydney, you know, the famous New Year's Eve uh, fireworks displays, you know, it's got everything, Sydney, it is such a beautiful place. What, what precisely are the objectives that you have for your content marketing strategy there in Sydney?
0: Yeah, so we're actually going through a project at the moment to, um, to really refine our uh, objectives uh, across the board. So the way we're structured is that we have, we have city engagement and we've got our marketing team, for instance. But our marketing team is, um, there are different areas in the marketing team that are, that are split up into different portfolios. So there might be one portfolio that's about arts and culture and another one that's about sustainability, um, another one that is more around, say, business. So currently, while we all work towards the big enterprise or the, you know, you want to call enterprise objectives of the business, which is, you know, Sydney 2030, we want to be green, global and connected. And there are, there are 10 strategic um, um, kind of action pillars in, in, that big, in that big strategic document. We also have other objectives at a kind of um, program level what we're trying to do is is um really break that down so that as a division we just have kind of one set of content we have one content marketing strategy for the division um as opposed to say maybe i don't know three or four depending on the portfolio yeah because what we what what we found is is that through some um through some analysis and through some content audit work there is quite a bit of overlap um with our content so even though even though we have kind of we have three kind of parent types of content, which we call one is business as usual content, um, the second is activities and events, and the third is stories um, and news and updates. And we found that in the stories bucket there's quite a bit of overlap because we found that someone might write an article that's around the business portfolio, but someone in the arts and culture portfolio is writing something that may be about exactly the same topic. Yeah. Um, so we're trying, to, we're trying to get to a point with this new content strategy work that we're doing where we have, again, that, that shared sense of purpose and we can collectively understand what are we trying to achieve with content, um, who's the audience. So instead of this idea that there's uh, you know, a, a, a relative ex- exclusivity over the audience at a portfolio level, it's that, no, there's, you know, there might be a, a, a set of five personas and sometimes they transact with us. Um, and sometimes they might go to an event and sometimes they might, you know, pay their rates with us, but it's still the same set of customers across the board. So we're getting to a point now where we've got very broadly we're saying, well, we're here to create awareness, um, we're here to build community, and we're here to change behaviour with our content. Um, but the next thing we need to do, obviously, is to get into that, you know, the smart the level of smart objectives. So that's the next step for us to figure out um, what are our smart objectives based on those three Primary objectives, I guess,
1: yeah, okay, it, interestingly, when we were talking at the end of last year, I was just getting to this mo- this this notion of of measurement, and we had a really interesting conversation about your experience in that space, uh, and that the fact that what you you came to or that came to the understanding, particularly when you 're reporting up, is that you 've really got to be simple and you 've really got to be clear, and you 've got to make sure that you 're telling that story in a dashboard. Um, set of metrics that can be communicated very quickly. Can you tell us that story about your experience of, of trying to tell um, the leadership and the higher ups about how your content's performing?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just trying to break down the, um, the old post-campaign report model, I guess. I mean, I've seen a lot of post-campaign reports in my, in my time, which are just um, they're data pukes. So it's a data dump. Um, basically. And it doesn't really tell you anything. Uh, And I think most people that would use Google Analytics wouldn't even ever, you know, um, create a custom report or wouldn't create a dashboard. Um, They would just probably export the default report that's on the main screen. And I guess the challenge there is that, um, you know, a report like that is built to satisfy at a very kind of, you know, entry level level. Um, millions and millions of customers that use the product but it's not necessarily tailored to the story you need to tell internally Um, so in my experience it's trying to get away from I mean less is more I think is the first thing Um, the second thing is more words less numbers Um, and what I mean in that respect is that um, insights and then recommendation so and you can only really do that through words Um, and I guess the last thing is just pick your critical few so, the only way you can get to a critical few, when I say critical few, it's like maybe the three or five three or five metrics or numbers or KPIs that will um, indicate is what we're doing online, whether it's a web property or an app or, you know, a content piece, is what we're doing is it sinking or swimming. So, your critical few. And the, the only way you can get to the critical few is to have a measurement plan. And I think we spoke about this last year, I think, as well, um, that before you deploy you know, Google Analytics, or before you install that tracking code for whatever um, tool you're using, you need to have a measurement plan. And I guess very broadly, that maps out, um, you know, the top level, the kind of the vision statement for the property, um, the goals that so might be creating awareness, um, generating email signups, and I don't know, booking registrations or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then figuring out your KPI, and then figuring out the audience um, that you're going to measure against that. Um, You need to have a measurement plan and our measurement plans for our websites um, or apps or whatever are generally only about one or two pages, but they do very clearly articulate these are the things that we're going to look at to tell us whether or not what we're doing is successful. And wherever possible, we just try and stick to that. So we just try and be very disciplined and consistent about how we report up. Um, And, yeah, I found that going from these reports that were just massive you know, dumps of uh, numbers, it's been much more effective to just present um, a, a one-pager with that measurement framework as the kind of um, the guts, I guess.
1: And do you find then that the discussions are much more around the recommendations and the insights as opposed to the actual specific numbers as to whether or not they're good, bad or indifferent?
0: 100%, yeah, absolutely. Because it's it's difficult, particularly when you're pr- producing um, data in aggregate. It's not useful. I mean, any data. I mean, speaking, um, Avinash Korshik is like one of the guys that I, I love online. He's got a really great blog called Occam's Razor. And he talks about this quite a lot. Is that you know, data in aggregate is useless. Um, and a lot of the data and ag- a lot of the data that you see in a post campaign report is in aggregate. It'll say there were two hundred thousand visits, or we had um, eight hundred, you know, eight hundred email signups, or the bounce rate across the site was sixty percent. It doesn't tell you anything. Um, so when you start to get into that level of um, insights, there's generally some level of segmentation that's been applied to the data, in the sense that we, you know, take New Year's Eve for instance, where we found that, um, you know, it got to the point where two years ago, our traffic to the Sydney New Year's Eve website, um, it's well and truly mobile now. Um, it used to be the point that people were sitting at their, you know, sitting at their PCs or their laptops and they were doing research, but now it's all about mobile. So the only way we could ever really kind of, it's a pretty basic insight, but the only way we could ever really get to that is to segment the data. Um, If we just said, you know, um, we had a 10% increase in traffic and left it at that, it wouldn't have got us to a point where we start changing our internal approach to design, which is now mobile first. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, The whole insight and um, and action is much better than just, here are some numbers, you know, undigested.
1: What's next for you as part of your team there, as I mentioned in the, in the introduction, you're obviously across a whole range of, of areas of responsibility, telling that story of the city of Sydney, you know, connecting with the audiences that you've identified. But what's, what's immediately in front of you that you see as, as your, your biggest challenges and how are you going to solve those problems?
0: I think what 's next for us is and I mentioned it earlier about how we 're trying to create a division wide content strategy um, that's that 's the big one and there are some kind of short term things that we need to do to get that you know to get that moving and I guess the first is do a proper audit of our content and then run that against um, run that against the the pillars and the personas and the kind of um, the objectives that we're trying to achieve in the new strategy and then, you know, figure out what can be kept, what can be migrated, what can be decommissioned. I think that's a very short thing we're trying to do. Um, longer term, I think we're trying, it's this idea around consolidation. So I mentioned that we have three types of content primarily, which is business as usual and that's pretty much well, that's pretty well handled by our main corporate site. Um, and you can go there and transact and you can find that out our, you know, information on our policies and, um, you know, basic nuts and bolts things on where parks are and that kind of stuff. Um, the event the event side of things, we started to consolidate and create a platform um, and we're making really good headway there. The, the third thing is news and updates and that's where the focus is going to be, which is going to be we're really active but we're probably not as organised as we could be. So what we really want to do in that space is create, essentially create a content hub, I guess, um, where we can bring this content, you know, or any kind of news content that provides a, an engaging window into what we do, um, that should be in one spot. At the moment, it's not in one spot. It's it's split across um, different microsites, and that's proving um, it can be a difficult kind of um, you know, user experience for our customers. So I think content consolidation is going to be a big one where we can um, just from a a content perspective and from a data perspective, bring it all together, understand our audience better, um, more intelligently relate the data that we have. So we can cross-sell better through, you know, really intelligent tagging, uh, you know, taxonomy of data, that kind of stuff. I think that's going to be big. But developing, I mean, it's going to be a big challenge to actually develop that platform, but I think the bigger challenge is going to be um, changing the way we work And that's doing things like um, adopting a modern publishing mindset. So, um, you know, that idea that day-to-day we're going to be producing content um, and that it's not just going to be about a social media update or a media release. It's going to be direct-to-audience content um, that's maybe packaged and distributed in in different ways. Um, that, That shared goals and that commitment to why we're doing content marketing and Understanding and adhering to standards, you know, which might be distribution, um, the way we do our messaging, um, how do we measure things, what are the formats we use. I think that nitty gritty stuff is going to be a real big challenge. Um, and then, you know, just getting that buy in um, to resource to resource the hub because the, I guess the content's not going to come out of uh, thin air. So. I hope that answers your question. It
1: does. (laughs) No, but it does. But it's a fairly typical transition that I think a lot of organisations are in. Is it going from the siloed traditional approach, not having that publishing mentality, not having the skills within the team who can do that? You know, it, there's so much to it, but I think that, that journey that you're on is, uh, is a fairly typical one from what I understand in many public sector organisations, be they at a you know international government, federal government, uh, NGO, not-for-profit. Everyone's wrestling with the same sort of uh, challenges as, that you are. So anyway, I, I think Sydney's in pretty good, good hands with Carl
0: Herger at the, uh, at the helm. Well, I hope so. And I, think, <laughs> I think we're in a pretty good spot. You know, we've got um, we've yeah. got really really good people here, and we just need to you know we've got great writers here, and it's that's the thing. I mean, or um, well, you know, people with traditional journal backgrounds that know that know a story and can tell a story, they're in demand today. Um, and if we can combine that with people that have you know great um, you know digital marketing experience and, you know, technical experience, this kind of melting pot of skills, this multidisciplinary um, set of skills, and I think, you know, that's that's the future of publishing, I think.
1: Yeah, no question. Well, Carl Herger, thanks very much for your time today, and, and best of luck with that. As I say, the City of Sydney, a wonderful story to tell. There are so many elements of where we could now dive a little bit deeper into how you're going to go about it. And I think what we'll do is come back to you in uh, maybe three or six months' time just to get the update, you know. Where where did you get to? Where were the, you know, the bumps in the road? Where are the things that you didn't expect? Because it's, you know, this is what the podcast is about, is to learn from each other and to really get those insights so that we can make sure that as we all go on this journey together, as we are, um, that we learn from each other and, and make improvements as, as we go in this fascinating and... Um, just it's so, so much fun this content marketing space so thank you very much Carl I really appreciate your time today and I know the audience um, appreciates your time as well so all the very best to you and just quickly where might people connect with uh, Carl Herger on, on the web
0: sure uh, look facebook.com Sydney. I think the work that our content producer does is amazing it's worth checking out uh, our event platform is whatson.cityofsydney.nsw.gov.au um Check it out. Send us an email if, if, you know, you have any questions or feedback. I'd love to hear it. And uh, look, twitter.com slash Sydney and instagram.com. City of Sydney.
1: Wonderful. Okay, mate, thank you very much. And we will speak to you in a few months' time and we'll talk to you offline before then. So thanks again. And thanks to you, uh, the audience, for listening again to what's been a really good episode of In Transition, to to hear those stories, the detail of Carl's challenges, how he's been able to overcome them, and I'm sure you got plenty out of today. So thanks again for joining in. Uh, I'll be back next week and I look forward to your company then. Bye for now.
0: You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in the public sector. For more, visit us at contentgroup.com.au.